there was a German Christian gentleman who lived near the railroad tracks at the time of the Second World War. When the train whistle blew, the local people knew what would shortly follow. They would hear the cries of the Jews packed into the cattle cars. This is what this man says, and I quote him, it was so terribly disturbing. We could do nothing to help these poor, miserable people, yet their screams tormented us. We knew exactly at what time that whistle would blow, and we decided the only way to keep from being so disturbed by the cries was to start singing our hymns. By the time that train came rumbling past the churchyard, we were singing at the top of our voices. If some of the screams reached our ears, we would just sing a little louder until we could hear them no more. Years have passed, and no one talks about it much anymore, but I still hear the train whistle in my sleep. I can still hear them crying out for help. God forgive all of us who call ourselves Christians, yet did nothing to help them." End of quote. As the pandemic of fear, control, and power sweep across the globe in our present day, we see very little resistance against it. In today's culture, if you want to speak the truth, expect persecution. You will be shouted down. People will only sing louder to drown you out. I was up in New York back a few months ago visiting some family, and I was at the lake at a cottage, and it was a very rainy day, and these black clouds kept on coming and coming, and I told some of my family members that, wow, it looks like we're going to get this heavy rain all day, and just making that one little truthful statement made one of my family members upset. And she said, you are always so negative. And I was thinking, have we gotten to that point? Wow, I can't say it's raining. That's negative. So the love of wealth and political power is nothing new. It's been around since... Adam and Eve, really. In the second reading from the letter of St. James, he says, you have lived on your wealth, you have lived on the earth with luxury and pleasure. While postulant Eric was reading that reading, it's, it's kind of hard as Americans to listen to that. We live in the most rich society in the history of the world. 
And it, maybe it should be a little bit of a self-examination when we read this reading from St. James. And I was thinking this, I admit it, but I was thinking this while Postal and Eric was reading it, that I would love to take the letter of St. James and go to the Academy Awards show and read that to all the actors and actresses. I would love to go to the Grammy Awards and read it to all the recording stars. I would love to go to the Congress and read that to the senators and the House of Representatives because we have grown drunk in our materialism here in the United States and in the Western world. And in the book of Numbers, as well as the Gospel of St. Mark, we see Joshua in the book of Numbers, the faithful disciple of Moses, and the disciple of love, the apostle of love, St. John, with our Lord, who are both falling into the same trap as far as looking for prestige, power. I don't want this person to be part of our group. Be quiet. This is St. John saying this. Be quiet. You're not part of our group. And what does our Lord say? Whoever is not against us is for us. It's important that we all speak the truth. And no matter whose mouth that truth comes out of, we should be happy about it that someone is speaking the truth. Yes, church politics have been around since the very beginning, 2,000 years ago with the apostles, when they would argue amongst themselves, who is the greatest? And let me tell you, I despise church politics. I really do. I hate church politics politics. We priests here at the Fathers of Mercy were not ordained so that we could jockey for positions of power and prestige, but rather to win souls for Christ. That's our goal. That's what we should be concerned about. And we should not let anything, especially the lies coming from secular society, get in our way. We are to teach and we are to preach the truth, and we shouldn't have to apologize for it. Even when people want to shout us down, even when people want to sing louder to drown out our voices, we have to go on. You know, we are in a crisis of faith in epic proportions here in America right now. Before the crisis, before the so-called COVID crisis, only 30% of American Catholics went to Sunday Mass. And after the restrictions and the closing of the churches and the removal of the obligation to attend Sunday Mass, now I'm afraid only half of those 30% are coming to Mass now. Some people believe maybe this is the great apostasy when you have only 15 or 20% of people even going to Sunday Mass, and how many of those people are really taking their faith seriously. For the first time in the 2,000-year history of our church, 
we had a universal sacramental shutdown. And it did great damage. It really did. Bishop Marian Eleganti, he's an auxiliary bishop of Church, Switzerland, has this to say. He said, what do you think the Lord would say about the universal sacramental shutdown within the church that has deprived the faithful, among them many elderly and dying people, of the sacraments across the world? Such a thing has never happened in the 2,000-year history of the church, not even in the hardest times of war, plague, and persecution. What would have happened if the church had intensified its sacramental life? What would have happened if we did the opposite? We can only guess, but I think the outcome may have been a whole lot better. But instead, it acted according to the general secular logic. That man has a better idea on how to solve these problems. And so we have power-hungry politicians who claim that they, are our, they have our best interest in mind while they strip our God-given freedom and dignity away. I can't help but to think of Canada right now, our neighbors to the north. Did you know basically Canada is a police state? It is absolutely crazy up there. I have a man from Toronto who would send me messages and leave me voice messages on my phone about what's been going on up there. This man was standing out on a street corner with a pro-life sign and was arrested for it. People were arrested for going into their churches in Canada. And we've just heard recently that one of the bishops of Canada put forth a decree. Unless you have two injections, you know those so-called vaccines, unless you have two in injections, you will not be allowed to come to church and receive Holy Communion or to pray. You will not be allowed. It's almost like we have a new bunch of lepers, second-class citizens. Is this a form of spiritual apartheid? When people will be denied the sacraments because they don't want to receive an experimental medical procedure. And then we could talk about Australia on the other side of the world, another police state where people are afraid to even leave their homes. That's how bad it is in Australia. And yet we sing louder and we shout people down because we're not allowed to speak anything but the narrative. And the narrative is this, the government will control everything, including our religious rights. But we have to remember that our religious rights are God-given rights. No government, no authority can take away our God-given right to worship God. Our, our politicians tell us 
that they have a deep concern for the poor and the downtrodden. How often we've heard them say that on cable television. Oh, I just love these poor people. I want to protect the most vulnerable of them especially. But you know that they are not telling the truth. Once again, they're telling lies. And if you tell a lie often enough, people start to believe it. So people start believing that these people really love the poor. They really love the downtrodden. They love the most vulnerable people, unless you're a baby. Unless you're a baby. Worldwide right now, there are 100,000 abortions worldwide every day. That is awful. That is tragic. That is an abomination. And yet that's what's happening right now. And then we find out in our House of Representatives in Washington, D.C., they passed a bill this week. And that bill is going to make abortion available all three trimesters from the moment of conception right up to the ninth month because they want to protect the rights of women, right? They want to protect their bodies, right? We've heard that for years and years and years. I have a right to abortion because I have a right over my own body. But when it comes to the injection, you can't use that argument, can you? I have a right over my own body? No, you don't. Pull out your arm. And this is all causing scandal in the church here in America. It really is. Because we have the bishops divided here in America. The Catholic bishops are divided here in America. They're in a disagreement on whether to allow Catholic politicians who promote abortion, who, who promote um, homosexual marriage, who promote euthanasia, and all these other practices that are condemned by the church, we're having this big debate on whether these people should be allowed to receive Holy Communion. Should there really be a debate about this? Hasn't the church always taught that if someone commits a serious, what we call a mortal sin, they should refrain from receiving Holy Communion? I love this story about Cardinal Lorenze, the great African prelate, he was the uh, prefect for the congregation uh, for the divine liturgy for several years. And if you know anything about Cardinal Lorenzo, he tells you the way it is. That's what I love about him. And one day a reporter came up to him and asked him, what do you think about this controversy in America on whether to give communion to pro-abortion politicians? And the cardinal looked at the reporter and the cardinal said, do you have a Catholic school in your parish? And the reporter said, yes. And the cardinal said, this is what you need to do. You need to go to the second grade class at that school where the children are preparing themselves for Holy Communion. And then I want you to ask each one of those children, should adults who are going around killing babies, should they be allowed to receive Holy Communion and see what the children say? And the reporter got the message. I love Cardinal Lorenzi. 
he gets right to the point. Yeah, if a second grader can figure this out, why can't we as adults figure it out? So it's time for us to challenge these lies before it's too late. You know, going back to the story I started with, with the people in Germany, they just thought, oh, the Nazis could never go that far. Oh, oh no, they can never go that far. And before you know it, they were loading people into trains to death camps where they were slaughtered like farm animals. Probably treated worse than farm animals, actually. So what do we do? I hate to sound like an old record, repeating myself over and over. The young people here don't even know what a record is. They don't know what an LP is, so I'm showing my age. Number one, we have to increase our faith. Because the faith is under attack right now. People are leaving the church in droves. As I said, I wouldn't be surprised if mass attendance on Sunday is now down to 15%. That is tragic. That is absolutely tragic. We need the faith from God, which is a gift. We can only get it from him, and we need to pray to him to increase it daily so that if he comes, he will find faith in us. We don't want to accept the narrative that the secular world is trying to give to us that prayer and the sacraments are non-essential. They are absolutely essential. We need to adore our Lord. I'll remind everybody, at the beginning of the crisis, the Fathers of Mercy started Eucharistic adoration seven days a week from noon to 5.30, and the church is actually open till 7. We repose the Blessed Sacrament at 5.30, but the church is open until 7 because we have a priest in here every night, seven nights a week, hearing confessions from 6 o'clock to 7 because we want to make sure that everyone has the opportunity to be fed by the Good Shepherd because that is the only thing that is going to get us through this crisis. If you have time to go to an extra Mass during the week, please do. I'm reminded of what Father John Harden, servant of God, once said because he saw this crisis coming. He was like a modern-day prophet, and he was telling people, you want to know something, folks? Sunday Mass is not going to be enough. Sunday Mass is not going to be enough to get you through this crisis. You got to live your faith. You got to take it seriously each and every day. So we want to adore the Lord. We want to go to Mass. We want to go to confession. And this next point is very, very important. We have to forgive. That's a commandment from Christ. We pray that every time we pray the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins the same way we forgive those who sin against us. Because, let me tell you, it's going to be really tempting to hate people as we go down this road. For our community movie last night, we watched For the Greater Glory, you know, The Mexican Martyrs. I love that movie. 
but once again internally, I didn't show it to my conferers here, but internally I was getting so angry with the ones who were persecuting these martyrs. And yet what were the martyrs doing? They were saying, I love you. I forgive you. I want you to be in heaven someday. And it reminded me that as we become more and more persecuted, we have to love even more, not less, but more. And if we're doing all these things, building up our faith, having devotion to the Blessed Mother, praying our rosary every day, for a hundred years now, Our Lady and her various apparitions have been warning us about what's going on right now. She warned us, apparition after apparition after apparition, the popes for the last hundred years, starting with Pope Leo XIII, saw this coming. St. Pius X thought that the Antichrist was alive during his pontificate. They knew it was coming. They knew it was coming. And this is not the time to fall asleep. This is the time to be vigilant. This is the time to put our our faith on the lampstand for people to see. We have to love our neighbors. We have to love them. And so our Lord says in today's gospel, if you give someone a cup of water, you have done something great. We don't have to do anything great, but we have to do everything with a lot of love. That's the Theresian way, and most of you know that I just love St. Therese, the little way. I remember when I was a child in Catholic school, I remember one day the nun telling us, she was a Franciscan nun, and she told us what St. Therese said, that if you pick up a piece of paper off the floor and you do it for Jesus Christ, you've done a great thing. Why? Because you did it for Jesus Christ, and he cannot be outdone in generosity. So the next time I wash the dishes, I'm going to do it for Jesus. The next time I wash my bathroom, I'm going to do it for Jesus. The next time I have to roll out of bed when I don't feel like rolling out of bed, I'm going to do it for Jesus. And when everybody starts living their lives that way, we change the world. There's no other way other than by God's plan. No other way. Good news, I'm closing my folder. One last story. Years ago when I was a youngster, I was a student in Italy, and we had an Italian teacher who tried to teach us Italian. He tried his best, I just couldn't really pick it up all that well. But I remember one morning our Italian teacher telling us a story about his childhood, which took place right there in Rome during the Nazi occupation of Rome during the Second World War. And our teacher's job as an eight-year-old was to go through the streets of Rome, searching through the garbage cans, looking for food for his family, because his family was starving. It makes me ashamed of all the times we throw out food in this land of plenty 
when so many people in the world are so hungry. One day as he was searching through the garbage cans, a Nazi soldier walked up to him and he said, little boy, the Americans are coming closer to Rome and pretty soon they're going to take over the city and when they do, you're going to be sorry. Because the Americans are a hateful bunch. They'll torture you, they'll starve you, they'll even kill you. And so the boy dreaded the day that the Americans would come into Rome. And finally that day arrived. And once again the boy was going through the garbage cans out in the streets looking for food when he saw an American soldier. And the American soldier saw the boy and at first the boy thought to himself, maybe I should run, maybe I should hide. I don't know what this man's going to do to me. But for some reason, he decided to stay right there on the street. And the American soldier started to walk towards the boy. And the American soldier started to reach into his pocket, and the boy was thinking, oh no, he's going to pull out a gun. But what that American soldier pulled out of his pocket was a candy bar. And he gave that candy bar to the starving boy and the boy devoured it right there on the street. And our teacher said, needless to say, because of the kindness of that American soldier, it changed my life. And from that moment on, I loved Americans. Are we gonna help people love the church? Are we gonna help people love God by what we do today? That's up to us. God bless you.